This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Well, what a what a week it's been. What a week it's been. Uh, as we get ready for Easter, this is Palm Sunday. And, you know, Palm Sunday is about preparing the way for the Lord, right? Celebrating him and his entry into Jerusalem, Jesus' entry. And, you know, the people celebrated Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. They thought he was a different kind of savior. They thought he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. And so they were excited for that. Uh, and then when they, they, they realized that he wasn't going to overthrow the Roman Empire, they turned and the same people that, that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem and celebrated him were the same people that yelled, crucify him, right? And so there's something really significant for us today to recognize that, God, we're making room for you in our lives today on this Palm Sunday. But we're saying, God, you may be do, want to do something in me that I don't quite yet understand. And you may want to do something in me that I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I thought it would be different. But still, God wants to do something. Will you just say yes to him today? Can we just start the, start the sermon here today? Yeah, middle schoolers are, are released. You guys go. Uh, start the message here today just by, by, by a prayer. I normally like to pray a couple, couple minutes into my message, but can we just pray right here? I can say I am a couple minutes, but that was all intro so they could get this up on stage, right? Are you with me? Father, we just say yes to you. We prepare the way for you in our hearts today, God. And if there's something you want to do today in us, Lord, that maybe we didn't anticipate or we didn't expect. We just still say yes to you, God. Father, we want you to be king of our hearts, king of our lives today. So, so Lord, in order for you to be king, Lord, there's some things that we may need to get out of the way for you to be king. So, Lord, we, we give you control. We give you everything here today, God. We say, have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I want to... I, I, Continue what Pastor Tara said and welcome you. If this is your first time here, so glad that you joined us at Oasis City Church. And there's a connection card in the seat back pocket in front of you. Make sure you take that out to the lobby right after the service. Uh, we'll have a great gift for you there uh, and be able to answer some questions you might have about the church. And we want to say hello to our online congregation. Thanks for tuning in. Wherever you're watching from, tell us where you're at. Can we welcome them with some warm, raucous 9 a.m. noise for our online congregation? Thanks for tuning in. Glad you're with us today. Mike, can you, can you help me out and throw me that there? Um, and then, how about that? Well, we're in a series that we're finishing up today called Triple Threat. Uh, have you enjoyed it so far? So Triple Threat, we're talking about three things in the kingdom that position us to be successful, all right? So in basketball, this is the Triple Threat, right? 
So you're here because in this position, when you're positioned like this, you can do the three things on offense that you can do to, to, to be successful in basketball. You can pass, you can, you can shoot, uh, and you can drive, you can dribble, right? So triple threat, that's where we're at. So the first week we talked about time. How many of you know our time is a tool for us to be successful in the kingdom? Amen? Yes. Amen? Yeah. I'll never forget uh, a famous pastor, the largest church in the world. They asked him, how much do you pray? And he says he prays three, four, five hours a day. How is that possible? How do you have time to pray three, four, five hours a day pastoring the largest church in the world? And he said, if I didn't pray three, four, five hours a day, I wouldn't be able to pastor the largest church in the world. Yeah. Time. That just threw our, I don't have time to pray out the window, all right? It's time. What are you doing with your time? Last week, Pastor Jake did an incredible job talking to us about talent, using our talents for the Lord. We can use our talents uh, to do good works, to do good things. God's given each one of us uh, unique gifts, unique abilities, and then we can use those talents and develop them for the things of God, our talent. Today, I want to talk to you about treasure. Say treasure. 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 And I'm really excited today to share it. So I thought, how can I do uh, an opener that would be better than Pastor Jake's last week? You know, because he, he had this whole idea, and he's over here shooting free throws uh, on the stage with the keyboards just feet away, okay? Now, the keyboards survived. But I have been challenged to dunk, but here's what I know. Because this, the size of the stage, um, that goal is not 10 feet. Okay. So it would not be impressive for me to dunk today. You know, it's, it's, eight, it's eight feet, okay? So I thought, what can I do? So, so I thought, you know, there's an analogy here. How many of you know uh, there's this thing that says, if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. But how many of you know there are certain things that you can... You can uh, learn at a young age that you'll never forget. You know, they say it's like what? It's like riding a, a bicycle, right? Like you cannot ride a bicycle for 20 years, but then you can jump on a bicycle and ride one. But can you? I don't know. Um, so I thought, how can I, how can I show up Pastor Jake uh, here today? So I'm going to try something that, uh, that, that I did as a, as a kid that I haven't done in quite a while. All right, um, and it was this. I watched this movie on Pistol Pete one time. All right, and he spun a basketball on his finger for an hour. Wow. For an hour. So I thought, I wonder if I can do my whole message today while while spinning the basketball. <laughs> can you put the timer on? An hour. You all were like, Oh, wait a minute! I didn't think service was an hour. <laughs> Did you? All right. So this is one of these things that see. There's some things that you, you, you never forget, right? This is tough. Uh, you know, I haven't done this in, I mean, a long time. I mean, I did practice this morning, okay? But I haven't done this in a long time. But as a, but as a kid, I would do this all the time. So there's some things like this that you learn when you're young that you never forget. Now, I used to be able to take it and throw it around behind my back and catch it, throw it off my head, and, but I think I've lost that skill. We're not going to find out. So I think, I think the kingdom is like that as well. There are certain things that when you learn at a young age, you, you never forget. Now, you may need to sharpen them up. I'm so thankful that I had godly parents who taught me about giving 
at a young age. Because as I've grown older, being a generous person is something that I, that I already knew how to do, that I learned to do. Giving is something that I already knew. And I'm so thankful for it because I often meet people who really struggle with this concept and they have a hard time understanding, what does it mean to be generous? Well, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to give to the church? Why, why should I have to, to, do, to do all of these things? But yet, because I learned it at an early age, uh, it's something that just came naturally to me. It was easy. And so for some of us, we're in the same place. We can say, you know what, I understand what it needs to be generous. But for many of us, we're in this place today, we, we don't understand it. And so I want to teach you for a little bit about how we can use our treasure in the kingdom to be successful. Amen? Yeah. There's a scripture that I want to start off with in the book of, of Timothy. I believe it's 1 Timothy. Let me see where I'm at here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. So if you brought your Bibles, open up your Bibles. I am excited to share with you today. I've had an adventurous morning already. Anybody had an adventurous morning? Amen. I'm driving. We get up this morning to go to church, and Shiloh says, I'm not feeling good, Daddy. And I said, okay. And then she proved it. Oh. <laughs> and so, so at 7 o'clock this morning, I was making phone calls and saying, who can watch my daughter because she's sick? Uh, and, then, uh, and then she went back to sleep for about an hour, and I thought, okay, I'll be much later to church than I normally am, but that's, it'll be okay. Uh, so I let her sleep as much as she could. We got it arranged out. Thank God for grandparents who say yes. Uh, so I was watching Shiloh, so I get in the car. She had been thrown up for an, over an hour. I thought, she's past this. She's good. She ate something funny, but she's going to be okay, right? So we get in the car, and as a wise parent, hear me, young parents, take the bucket with you. Okay, and um, so we get in the car, and, and then this happened. Uh, I got a picture of it for you. No, it's not that bad picture. Don't worry, okay? But, um, but yeah, this little one's sitting in the back seat with a bucket in between her legs. Um, there it is, that one. She's got a bucket in between her legs. Um, she woke up like this, yeah. <laughs> She's still beautiful. I don't know how she does this. Sick as a dog, but so she got her little bucket, and um, she wasn't feeling good. And then the other one looked like this, though, in the back seat. Um, and he was not the sick one, you know? So, um, so that was my morning drive to church. I don't know how yours was this morning. First Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 17 to 19. I, 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 do you love your Bible? Okay, let me encourage you. If you're a follower of Jesus... If you attend Oasis City Church, bring your Bible. Um, we, we love to have a Bible. I know you got your phone. That's awesome, too. You can use that, but we're going to flip around today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul is talking to Timothy, who's a young preacher. Say young preacher. He's a young preacher, and he's training him up, and he's giving him words of advice, and he's telling him how he needs to talk to people and what he needs to do. And so at the end of his first letter to him, he says this, verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us. Say richly supplies. Richly supplies, richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. I love this. Paul says to Timothy, God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 
Did you know it's God's desire to supply you with not just what you need, but things to enjoy? But encourage people to be generous and ready to share. And I love this. Storing up as a treasure of a good foundation for the future. You know, I, I did a little bit of research this week in, in preparation for this message. And I wanted to understand what it means to be rich. And I've heard people talk about it before and say, you know, well, if you live in America, you're rich. Right? You know, you're rich. But I wanted to understand what this really meant. And so as I did some research, this is what I discovered this week. Do you know what it takes to be in the top 1% of income earners in the world? Do you know what it requires? For you to be wealthier than 99% of the rest of the world. They call that the 1%, right? We hear that talk, 1%. Do you know what, what, how much money you need to make on an annual basis to earn more than 99% of the rest of the world? I'm going to tell you. How about this? Because you're taking a guess, right? How about $32,400? If you make $32,400, you make more in a year than 99% of the rest of the world makes in a year. Can you believe that? So what, what we would call in America not a significant income is that enough to get by in an individual? It's definitely not enough for a family in America, right? But $32,400, you're in the top 1% of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you're rich. How many of you know it's all about perspective? Perspective. When you compare yourself to the rest of the world, we are wealthy beyond measure. We are rich financially, things that we have. It's perspective. And so when, when the Apostle Paul's talking to Timothy, and I love this when he said, he, he just goes right for it. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world. Tell them what it is that they need to do and how we need to be generous people. I believe that today there's, a, there's something that the Lord wants to say to us who are rich in him of how we can manage our treasure of how we can find treasure and how we can use our treasure for the kingdom to position us. And so I want to start off today by asking you three questions. And in these three questions, I believe we can begin to discover God's plan for us and our finances, God's plans for us uh, in using our treasure to impact the kingdom. Because how many of you know it's an incredible tool? It's an incredible thing that we can have to, to impact the kingdom. The first is this, who, who is my source? Say, who is my source? Well, I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. This is, might be a familiar scripture to, to many of you, but it says this. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So we find out, first of all, that, that at the beginning of verse 10, now he who supplies. So who supplies? So God is our source. I've learned this in life when you go through difficult seasons because it's easy to look at your boss and say your boss is your source or your job and say your job is your source or your spouse and say your spouse is your source or, or whatever it might be to, say, to look at it and to say who is the source in my life. But we must recognize that the source of our life, the source of all of our finances, everything that we have is, is the Lord. Psalm 24 says this, 
I love the scripture. The earth is the Lord and all. Say all. All it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. So what we realize is everything belongs to God. So who are we here on earth when we're looking for, hey, who's our source? Who gives me the money that I need? Where, where do, do the things that I have come from? The truth is, is it's much more of a perspective shift in understanding that as, as believers, as people who live here on earth and follow Jesus, we have to recognize that everything that we think we have is really borrowed. It's, it's kind of like walking by your neighbor's house and looking in his garage and thinking, wait a minute, that's my stuff. Have you ever done that? You know, your neighbor borrows, borrows stuff. Never ever borrow stuff and you think, oh, wait a minute, he's still got my stuff, you know? That's, that's how it is with God. Like, like, God has given us everything to, to manage, and so we're, we're borrowing it. God has said, it's all mine, but I'll let you use this. And so I love this idea that, that when God created us, he thought, how can I further the kingdom through people. And this is what he thought. I'll use people. If I can give people money and let them use it, then they can give it and do good things with it. You see, God's all about choice. He, he, wants us to have, he wants us to have choice in this. He didn't create robots. He created people that wanted to worship him, people that wanted to obey him, and the people that sometimes didn't worship him or didn't obey him. And, and so he said, I'm going to let them use these resources and manage them, but, but I want them to use them for good things, for kingdom things. But they don't have to. And so God began to set up this, this system that we see, and we, we, it begins in the, in the Old Testament. And, you know, somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, now, uh, Pastor Adam, are you a prosperity church? Now, when you ask me that, I often think of the opposite. So if you're asking me if we are a prosperity church, are you, are you asking me if we're really a, po are we a poverty church? Because here's what I think. I think, listen, I, we understand that over the last several decades, and probably I'm sure many, many centuries before, there were people who took this prosperity message too far, right? They call it the prosperity gospel. So the gospel is not prosperity in a sense that it's about money and riches and wealth. But God desires for you to have enough to be able to give away to do good. Do you hear me? This is real simple, okay? So if you're asking me, are we a prosperity church or are we a poverty church i'm gonna take the prosperity one all right you know you, you gotta be careful with both extremes right there's a there's a balance in the middle but don't let this understanding of like well i don't want to be associated for you know with that idea of being a prosperity church i'd rather be associated with prosperity than poverty okay the, the poverty teaching is just as bad if you, let's do this. I get distracted and I think I shouldn't do this, but let's do it. Genesis chapter, I love the book of Genesis because of where it all begins, right? Look at Genesis chapter three. This isn't in, your, in, in the notes on the screen, but this is good. All right, Genesis chapter three. Um, no, let's go, let's, go, let's go chapter one. When, when God created man, this is what he said. Uh, God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him. So as God a God of lack. No, no. So we're created in his image, right? That's right? 
So are we created for lack? Okay, because we're created in the image of God, and God blessed them and said, now I want you to listen to the, to the description of, of God's intention for creating humanity. Listen to his description. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over all the animals. Does that sound like poverty thinking to you? Listen, listen. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule. God, God is a God that says, I want you to be in charge. And to be in charge, you've got to rule over things. If you've, if you've, missed, if you've missed this in your history classes as a, as a, as a young person, Kings aren't poor. Like anywhere in history, kings aren't poor. Because if you're ruling over something, you're ruling over, over resources as well. You're ruling over people. You're ruling over, over stuff. Do you hear me? So for some of us, listen, if there's a thinking in your mind of like, well, I'm not quite sure about where God is on this prosperity poverty thing, let me be real clear of where we stand, Okay. God desires for you to walk in abundance. God desires for you to walk in, in prosperity, fullness of life. Yeah. I, my personal conviction is this, is that I believe that, that as Christians, we should be so attractive to the world. Right. And I think it's been one of the greatest hindrances in, the evan, in evangelizing the nation is this, is that we spend too much time arguing and bickering and complaining and picking fights with things that really don't matter and we become unattractive to the world when I believe in all reality that our lives should be a demonstration of who God is. And that's the most beautiful, attractive thing in the world. Do you hear me? You're the most beautiful, attractive people in the world. Oasis City Church, are you with me? The world wants to be like you. They want to be here. They want to be around you because of, because of the Jesus that lives inside of you that, that exudes out of you. Are you with me? And so I think it's important for us to say, because I, because I feel led to, to go after that part. So, so God, in the very beginning, he establishes this understanding of, of, of saying, listen, I want you to be rulers. I want you to rule over things. I want you to, to, to multiply, to have dominion, all of this stuff, right? And then he sets in course uh, this understanding of how he's going to, to fund the kingdom. It all belongs to him, remember? But then in the Old Testament in the law, he sets aside this thing called the tithe. Say tithe. Leviticus chapter 27 says this. It says, thus all the tithe of the land, the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. So, so he implements this thing called the tithe. Now, tithe means tenth, okay? Tithe means tenth. So tithe and tenth are the same word, okay? So you can't tithe 2%. You can't tithe 9%. You can't tithe 12%, right? Because tithe is 10. So, so he implements this thing. And this is what the Lord says. And there's tons of scripture in the Old Testament to prove this. And, and there's even some in the New. But let me show you this. God says, here's the system. If all of it is mine anyways, but I'm going to let you borrow it and use it, here's what I'll do. If you give me back the first 10%, I'll bless the 90 that's left. But he goes so far as to say this, and, and this really challenges my thinking, okay? This is, this is hard to say, but think about it like this. What I discovered as I looked through Scripture, and I've known this before, but then I really looked at it this week. Did you know this, that tithing is not giving? 
It's actually a prerequisite to giving. So when you, when you look at scripture, help me if you can with this. Go home, study, research it, because some of you will. Some of you want to prove me wrong, right? Go, go for it. Tithing, tithing is not associated with giving. It, the Bible says that the, the, the tithe belongs to the Lord. And it says that it's something, it talks about it like this. It says that, it says that we, it's something that we owe the Lord. So it belongs to him and we bring it to him, right? It doesn't say we give it. It's like we bring it. So there's this understanding in the Old Testament that, that the tithe belonged to God. And it was something that you brought to God every year. So it was animals, you know, plants, your, the, the fruit of the fields, everything that you had. You brought it to God. And so that was a prerequisite before you gave that you brought this back to the Lord. Here's, here's the beautiful thing about this. I want you to think about it in these terms. Because some of us really, really struggle with this concept, right? How can we do this? How in the world could I take 10% of what I earn and then give it back to God? Because I'm not going to be able to make it, right? Here's the truth. Is that when the 90% is blessed by God, it goes further than the 100% that you try to work out on your own. And I say this with deep conviction, with deep conviction, that I believe this more than anything. And then as a matter of fact, God said, test me in this. And so let me encourage you today. Listen, if you're someone who says, yeah, I just don't know about it. Here's the challenge. Test God in this. Because he does more with 90 than you can do with 100. It's just how it works. Think about it like this. I could give, I could give my son $100. Or I could give my financial investor $90. And at the end of the week, who's going to have more money? <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, Microsoft Xbox going to have all of the 100 from my son. And, and, and then the 90, what does it do with that? Okay, it's, it's, it's a funny analogy, right? It's real simple. But think about it. God's the one that put this whole thing in place. Wait, he's the one that created it all anyways. So when we give, the, give the, the 10 to God and he blesses the 90, the 90 is now in God's hands as well. And the creator and the author of the universe, the one that created every financial system, the one that put this whole thing in motion, the one that has the solar system spinning at the right speed, and the one that created black holes and put them so far away that we couldn't even take pictures of them till now. When he's holding your 90 and has blessed it, he can do more with it than you can do with 100. It's a real simple analogy. So let me challenge you. If you've never done it before, do as Malachi said, test God in this. Test him. Try him. Do it for three months and tell me how it looks. And if you want to sit down with me before and tell me you're going to do this and then sit down with me after, I'll put a guarantee to it because the guarantee's on God. It's what he does. So, so let me challenge you with this and understanding that, that there's this tithing system that God puts in place. And, and I believe it's something that we should do, that we should still do today. Here's the thing. New Testament, Jesus comes to the, to the Pharisees and he, he confronts them. And they're counting out their tithe of all of their even little, little uh, their, 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 their cumin and the dill. And he's doing their spices. They're tithing off of that because they were so religious. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're not loving people. Loving people is more important. But don't neglect these things as well. I, be, I believe with my heart. Some people in the church don't believe it. I believe in my heart we should tithe. Amen. I believe we do. I do. I continue to do. Amen. I believe Jesus did. 
So I would encourage you to do it, challenge you to do it. Give it three months and see what happens, all right? Deuteronomy verse 14, verse 22, this says this. So in laying out the tithe, this is the last statement on this. He says this, you should surely tithe all in Deuteronomy chapter 14. So he's talking about all, and then he goes on to list all these things that we should tithe on, the fruit, the grain, our offspring and the cattle and all these things, like, you know, understanding it was an agricultural community. And he says, you should surely tithe on all. And then at the very end of verse 23, it says this, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And here's the statement that I want us to remember is this. Tithing reminds us that we belong to God. When we give our first to God, it reminds us that we belong to God, all of us. It develops a fear of the Lord in us when we give him first. So there's a reason behind it. There's a benefit to this. And this is what, it, this is what happens. So who is my source? Our source is the Lord. And tithing reminds us that God is our source by giving him the first 10%, by paying it to him, by, oh, because we owe it to him. The second question I want to ask you is this, is what is my seed? What is my seed? So, so who is my source? Number one. Number two. What is my seed? Second Corinthians chapter 9, we just read this. Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I love this. Seed for sowing, bread for food. So look at this. He who supplies seed for sowing and bread for... So God supplies both. He supplies you with seed for sowing, bread for food. The question is, what part is seed in your life and what part is bread? Now, let me teach you something really, really, really critical to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Seed tastes bad (laughs) and bread tastes good. Now, I know some of you disagree with me on this one, all right? Some of the paleo people in the room, all right? You're thinking, no, those seeds are my bread. Those seeds are what I like. Listen, seeds taste bad. Bread tastes good, all right? Bread tastes really good. It does. It, it, it's like this staple of, of humanity, right? For, for millennia, bread, we've been making it forever, right? But this is what... This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And he said, he gives him seed for sowing and bread for food. We have to recognize that God's the supplier of both. But it's easy for us to get them confused. Are you with me? It's easy to get your seed and your bread confused. So your seed is that thing that you're going to sow, that you're going to give away. The bread is what's going to sustain you. It's what you're going to, going to eat. Here's the problem. Is that when we eat the seed, something that was intended to produce life, we rob future generations. This is really critical to our understanding of finance and, and treasure in the kingdom of God. Is that when we, when, we have, when we have seed that God has intended for us to sow, intended for us to give away, when we have resources, we have finances, we have money, that God has intended for us to say, nope, save this. Because you're going to give it away at some point. But when we eat it, what happens is we rob future generations. The kingdom needs resources, needs finances to operate. That's the worldly system that we live in. We must have finances to operate. But when when we don't have seed that is producing a harvest, 
We're not able to do what God has called us to do. We're lacking resources, right? If you trace it back, what happened? Why is there not seed there? Why is there seed not? Why was there not a harvest? Well, because somebody ate the seed. It's one of those paleo people. They ate the seed. Where, where, are, where are they? All right, now you know I'm joking with this. All right, paleo, God bless you. I mean, you go get it, right? That's awesome. But it's, a, it's an analogy for us to understand that there's a difference in things and that we must determine what it is that we're supposed to eat, what we're supposed to use to provide for us, and what we're supposed to do to give away. It's incredible scripture that talks about uh, sowing. And, and if we read on in, in, verse, in verse six, it says this, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he was purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. That's my favorite verse about giving. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you have an abundance for every good deed. Look at that verse eight again. Isn't that amazing? God is able to make all grace, say all grace, grace. abound to you so that always... Having all sufficiency in everything. You're not supposed to use absolute statements. But God does because he's an absolute God. He's allowed. It's what he does. He can do this. And he's saying, listen, if you, if you understand this principle of sowing and reaping, of, of seed and harvest, you'll understand that, that I can bless you beyond what you understand. But here's what we do if we sow sparingly a little bit, we reap a little bit. And that's exactly how it is. So if there's lack in your life right now, you're lacking food, the question is not how can I go get more bread, but it's what seed do I have that I can sow that will produce a harvest in my life? Because some of that harvest might be bread in your life. Some of that harvest may be more seed to sow. And I, and I love this, this understanding because God's desire for us is to walk in such a place that we're able to, to store up seed for giving. Yes. And we're going to look at this and, and this in a minute. But we have to understand and remember what is seed and what is bread. Let me, let me give you a quick personal testimony. I believe it was two years ago, and, and the church received an offering for for Bill and Lynn and Tara and I and our families. Uh, and it was a five-year anniversary thing. And it was like, a, hey, we want to bless our pastors. And it was a wonderful blessing. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And when we got that blessing, I thought, God, there's a lot we could do with this. I mean, this is really cool. And I felt like the Lord say that we should give a chunk of it away. And by a chunk, he meant like half. And I was like, okay, God, like, you know, but, but I felt like it was seed for us. There were things that I could do with it that would have been good for my family, but I was like, you know what, God? I feel like this is seed. And it was, the, it was that same month that we began to sow that we took half of that money and we split it up and we gave it to different organizations, and different people in need, different things that we did. And as we sowed that money, it was in that same month that God began to bless us in the business side of things in our life. And it was incredible. But you know what? There's a connection between the two. You could look at it and say, well, that's, you know, that's just coincidence. No, it's not. That God was able to so richly provide for us in, in incredible ways, ongoing blessings 
for that, that I relate right back to a moment where, we, where God said, no, I want you to give away. And we said, okay. There's an understanding that, that recognizing what is seed that has come into your life and what is bread for you to eat is so important. So the final question I want to ask you today is this, is that is, where do I sow? So who is my source? We know that God is our source. What is my seed? That's a personal question. What is the seed in your life that, that God wants you to sow? What is bread? What is seed? And lastly, where do I sow? So the same scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says this, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Look at this. This is Paul talking. He said, you will be enriched in everything for all liberty, which through us, which through me, Paul's saying me, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So Paul is saying, when you give to the ministry that God has called me to do, it produces thanksgiving to God. You know, this is the way the, the, the church operates. The church operates completely 100% on, on donations that people give. So tithes, offerings, those kind of things. I'll never forget it because when we, when we came to start the church and I went to rent a house, I sat down with the owner of the house and he said, so, you know, um, wh wh where are you working? And I said, well, I'm going to get a job somewhere outside the church, but, you know, I'm a pastor and we're starting a church. And he said, oh, that's great. What do you make? And I said, well, the church hasn't started yet. We don't have a, an income. And trying to explain something like this to, to, to a man who was saying, wait, we don't have income yet because we don't have people because people haven't really given yet because there is no church for people to give to, you know? It's a crazy understanding for people to think, how does that work? But you see, God set this system up in place from the very beginning to say, when you, when you give of your resources that God has entrusted to you, through certain individuals, through ministries, through different things, he's able to, to extend the kingdom of God in an incredible way. And what happens, just like Paul says, it produces thanksgiving to God. Yes. It's thanksgiving. It makes God, makes God happy when we do this. And the scripture that we read just before this talks about, talks about being a cheerful giver. And so let me share this with you because I have a strong conviction here that if if you feel pressure to give in a church service, it's either the Holy Spirit convicting you or it's an ungodly kind of pressure, right? It's an ungodly kind of pressure. So, so if you feel pressure, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Don't give. Because God says you shouldn't feel under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. So giving should produce joy in our lives. It should make us happy. So there's a good test for you. Where, do you. where do you give? Where do you sow? Well, listen, if you're feeling pressure by somebody standing up on a stage and talking to you and saying, you know, I need so many people. I'm not going to go even down those roads so those services I've been in. Lord, help me. I've been in church a long time, and I, I've seen a lot of things. And I, it's, it's not always been the joy of the Holy Spirit either, I don't think. But if you feel pressure to give, don't give. If you feel compelled, this compulsion, don't give. When we give, the Holy Spirit produces joy in our lives. It produces joy. So it's a key to knowing and understanding where we're to give and how we're to give, is that this joy comes, comes out of it, right? And so, and so, but as we give to the church, as we give to ministries, they're able to do much ministry and much good for the kingdom. 
Our theme verse for this whole series has been this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, be careful how you act. These days are difficult. Don't be fools, be wise, but make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. I believe for us to be, have the impact that God wants us to have in the kingdom church, we've got to become incredible stewards of our treasure. Jesus told us that he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've always loved this scripture because I thought, man, it tells you, like, show me where you, show me, show me your credit card statement and wherever your money's going, that's where your heart's at, you know? You know what I believe? When I look at this, I think wherever we put our treasure, our heart actually follows. Because the scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It's not wherever your heart is, your treasure will be. It's where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So perhaps you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't know about all of this. Let me challenge you with this. Put your treasure in the kingdom and watch how your heart begins to follow the kingdom. Have you ever purchased a stock because someone told you to and you didn't even know it existed? But the moment you purchase the stock, you know what happens? Boy, you become a big fan. I mean, you could not even like the CEO of the company. But if they're doing well, you're praying for them. You're praying God bless them, God increase them, God multiply them. You might not even believe in the company or what they stand for. But you know what? You're praying blessings all over them. Why? Why? Because they have your treasure. And your heart follows your treasure. And so if you find your heart not being in a place in in line with God, in in line with the kingdom, let me ask you this. Does God have your resources? Because when you begin to invest your money, your finances, your treasure into the kingdom of God, what happens is your heart follows it. You say, God, I want this to, I want this to prosper. I want this to increase. At Oasis City Church, we're a church of faithful givers. So many people are faithful givers. Last year when Georgian was here, we took up the largest offering we'd ever taken up ever. I mean, it was amazing. And we, we purchased an orphanage in Bulgaria where every single day they're, they're, yeah, they're ministering to children and feeding them and clothing them and teaching them and, and, and allowing Holy Spirit to move. And it's absolutely incredible. And it's only because of the generosity of people at Oasis City Church. But I recognize here today that even as a, as a faithful giver, and I consider one of these my faithful giver, there are areas that I can learn. Particularly for me, that whole portion, once again, of what is my seed and what is my bread is challenging me. Because I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what is it that you've given me that you want to be seed to sow into the future? What is it that, that you've given me for bread? That's a personal challenge for me. If you've been tithing and giving for years, there's something here that, that Holy Spirit wants to challenge you with, I believe, because he's saying, I want you to, to better use your treasure for the kingdom of God. It's one of these things that the world doesn't understand. It's upside down. Your unsaved friends say, you give what to your church? Is that some kind of cult? You have to give them money. Here's what, here's what God does. God says, no, if you do things my way, I bless them. And so, so today we're going to receive our, our tithes and our offerings at the end of the service particularly this. Listen, I was challenged with this because 
I hate, I hate manipulation. I, I hate putting pressure on people to give. The Holy Spirit challenged me to deliver this in a way and receive our tithes and offering at the end in a way that we could give cheerfully. But I believe here today that, that there's a response that God is asking for us in saying this. What is it that you're giving to God? Take a moment to evaluate it. Say, hey, what are, you, what are we giving to God? For some of you who, who, who don't tithe, I want to encourage you. Take the step. Just go for it. It's one of those things that you can get in at the three-foot end and wade all the way down to the e deep end, but it's a whole lot easier to just jump in. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole lot easier because what you find is that when you jump in, there's an incredible freedom in the Lord, and God honors you, I assure you. Now listen, don't be foolish. Don't be stupid, all right? I believe we've got to manage our resources, okay? We're going to take up a dollar here in just a moment. Our usher's ready. This goes into our alms fund, and, and we help people out in the community to, to meet practical needs. And what we do with that is we also educate people to better manage their resources. We don't just give them a handout, but we say, okay, now we need you to do some financial counseling. We need you to attend this class. We need to help you not be in the same place next year. Amen? Amen. Because that's important for us to do. But your faithfulness in giving, do you know what it helps us do? It helps us, it helps us pay for needs, like help pay people's electric bill and their gas bill, help people put a new furnace in their home that went completely out, okay, and was replaced. Thank you for all of you that wanted to replace the furnace or work on it. I appreciate it. I had three or four people last week after I said we had a furnace that went out. They said, I'll fix the furnace. It was already, like it was broken, 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 okay? It had to be replaced. It was already replaced. But we're helping someone with a furnace. We're able to do that with the, with the alms that you give on a regular basis. So, so we're gonna receive our tithes and offerings, but we're gonna start with our alms right now so, if you, so that you can go ahead and take out your dollar. So here's the thing. If you're new to Oasis City Church, remember the scripture. Don't feel pressure to give. But God loves a cheerful giver. Giving should produce joy in your life. So if you can't give joyfully, don't give. But what is Holy Spirit challenging you to do? So take your dollar, pass it to the right, and our ushers will collect that, those there. That's your alms giving. If you, if you want to participate and help out with this, uh, you didn't bring cash, though, go to our Oasis City Church app, click on give. You can choose multiple funds there and make one transaction and give to different funds. Uh, or you can go to oasiscitychurch.com give and give that way. And we're going to begin to, uh, to prepare your tithes and your offerings. If you're making a, a check, make it payable to Oasis City Church. And here's what I'm excited about. You know, the Lord enables, because of your generosity, we're able to extend the kingdom of God in Westerville, in Columbus, Central Ohio, reach the ends of the, ends of the earth. We're able to, to, to reach. So in the beginning, we've always given away money as a church. Always. It's always been more than 10%. So we believe in that same principle of giving the first 10% back to God, right? So the, the church takes at least 10% and gives it away to missions, gives it away to, to other ministries here in central Ohio and all around the world, gives away money because we believe in the principle because God has blessed us. I have a pastor friend who said he was, church was really struggling, really struggling financially. They weren't able to make it. He prayed about it, asked the Lord what he wanted to do, and God said, you need to give money away. They weren't giving away money. And the moment that they said, in the midst of the hardest, most challenging financial season this church that I'm talking about had been in, they gave away more money than they'd ever given away. And in a year, everything was turned around. Because there's a principle here. There's something that works. And so today, as we get ready to give, I, 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 you know, it's good to just take inventory. We finished in this series called Triple Thread, and we're saying, this is a tool that God has given me to extend the kingdom. 
How am I using it? Am I using it to the best of my ability? Are my resources or the finances that God has given me being used in the right way to extend the kingdom? So whatever it is that the Lord has asked you to give, maybe today, I believe that there's many of you that God is saying, hey, I challenge you to tithe. Begin to do it. See what God does. And I assure you, because the Bible says it, that he's going to make it happen for you. So just take, uh, take your tithes or your offerings, and I just want to speak a blessing over you as we give today. And we're going to end, uh, conclude with, a, uh, with an opportunity for you to respond. Uh, if, you need, if you're sick in your body, you need prayer, you have any need, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond in just a moment. But I'm running out of time. So just take your tithes and your offerings. I want to speak a blessing over you as, as we give today. Father, thank you that today you are expanding our understanding and our thinking of what it comes to our treasure God, I thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us in so many ways, Lord. But I recognize that here today, God, there are needs that have not been met. And God, I ask, Lord, that you'd be faithful to meet every single need that's in this place, God. Any need that's represented here. God, for those that need faith today to give what you're asking them to give, God, increase of faith now. And just let uh, the spontaneous joy of the Holy Spirit overflow us today, God, right now where we're at. Lord, that as we give, we would understand the true joy of the Lord, that it's our strength. And so, God, I thank you for it, and I bless your people today, God, as they give. 